Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 157. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi, guys. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. Yes, Juneteenth. Yes. yes, and mm-hmm. it's also Father's Day, so happy Father's Day. Feliz Día del Padre. Yes. Um, you know what? I don't know what day Feliz Día del Padre comes on on other countries. I just know that it's today here. It's um, uh, Mother's Day Mother's Day rules, too. Like, it was two <laughs> days ago in the rest of Latin uh, America. Uh, yeah. I call it, again, as usual, I called my dad on the on the like latin american day and i was just like release the other party he was just all like i thought it wasn't until sunday and i was just like i thought it was today and then my mom continues like it's today and then the american <laughs> one Sunday. i was just like oh okay well my statement still stands yes exactly um so yes um so excited for this show i think we should go on to chisme de la semana oh we have quite the chisme. We're, we're there's talking a lot about of chisme going on right now yeah on the social medias like but like this is this is honestly the reason we stay on social media is because literally <laughs> all this stuff is so easily accessible to us now whereas before we had to like actually like go and like know people and be like all up in there and now i can just <laughs> watch it everything unfold right in front of my computer screen like oh <laughs> it's 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 drama brought to me for free so there's definitely some drama going on on the twitters today um Jen, yeah. you uh brought something to our attention Early that in the morning is, on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> that is happening. Um, why don't you uh, give us a brief synopsis of what's going on? So, I am, as much as I try to avoid it, I am on Twitter quite a bit. <laughs> and I follow quite a lot of people on Twitter and quite a lot of content on Twitter. So, it inevitably came to my attention that with the release of what is what was this issue three issue four but basically it's the what if series with miles and this one is the what if uh miles was thor Mm -hmm. uh issue that was released has quite caused quite a stir and not in a good way among black comic uh readers and Mm -hmm. creators um in the fact that writers of issue one two and three are like phew (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so the thing is we know or we know who the writer is it's yehudi Mm -hmm. uh we um uh the artist so his name is paco medina yeah yes yeah Mm -hmm. um and here's the deal uh Basically, um, uh, black black fans are saying that this issue is racist, and at first I didn't want to believe it, mostly because the initial gut instinct is to say no. But then I had to take a step back and I'd be like, "Why is that my reaction?" And then I actually read what the Twitter post was saying, and it was a Twitter thread, and it was a very long, detailed, thought out, uh not even just criticism, but call out 
about how this comic book is at best out of touch and at worst grossly grossly racist because the language in it like i can't like even looking at it i'm just like no one talks like this anymore like Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. one even like no one talks like this anymore unless they themselves are like being very like grossly racist um uh, or uneducated very very uneducated and unlearned and it's like most but most people have moved on from how uh one this kind of like black culture is depicted uh and it's 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 almost minstrel like and that is horrifying the fact that someone of basically a latino has captured like is and one of the Twitter posts basically said that this is how they see us. And like, yeah, like, is this how you see Black people and Black culture, Yehudi? Like, damn, like, I'm sorry. Like, I can't defend you, bro. Like, it's it's racist. Like, bottom line, it's racist. And I'm thinking, um, I mean, you know, they're leaning against Yehudi and you're talking about like the dialogue uh, that you were unsatisfied and it was a little bit like out of touch. But I'm thinking like um, the artists that they have like m- more to do with how the images came to be. And then somebody had to actually edit the book and green light it. So, mm-hmm. not- so there were a lot of eyes that this went mm-hmm. in front of for sure um, that nobody saw anything wrong. And I think that that just speaks to um it, it speaks to the stereotypes that black people still live with to this day and are trying to uh, basically overcome. And I think that there's a, there is a lot of stuff going on here. And I think Sarah mm-hmm. earlier, you just kind of joked and said, there's a lot to un- unpack here. There's an, a lot to, mm-hmm. to uh, unwrap. And um Historically, there's so many things that have contributed to what is happening right now. Historically, also, there has been uh, and Miles as a character is it's it's very interesting because he's uh, Latinx. So um, on the one hand, uh, people were like, oh, awesome. They're getting a Latino to write this. Uh, character but on the other hand um people are like why isn't a black person writing this character Mm -hmm. and historically there has been a uh i don't know what the uh, what the proper term is when i want to use but um historically there's a lot of racist stuff that goes on between black and latino uh groups um and um it's it's a lot of um it ha- it's it's there's been a lot of uh talking of within those groups of like hey we need to look at ourselves and acknowledge that even though we are people of color that we are fully capable of being racist um we're fully capable of internalized racism um and being a latino and putting out what I saw in this book, I definitely think that 
that Yehudi would need to step back and be like, why are so many people saying this? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just one random Twitter person. It's mm-hmm. all of Black Twitter is coming for this book. And I think that that deserves some acknowledgement and some validation because it's not just because they want to come for you because you're Latino. It's because there were some mistakes made. And I really hope I cross my fingers and hope that um, there is a response worthy of what these people are saying. This made them feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I felt a type of way. I mean, I opened up some of the images that were shared on Twitter and one of them was Miles walking um, and Asgard all around him. And it, you know how it says in the little caption up in the corner, Asgard, and you know he's in Asgard, but why are there uh, electric wires with uh, uh, sneakers hanging on them? And I looked mm-hmm. at it and I told the girls, I said, hey, man, this looks this looks like Compton. Like, I mean, I get it. You'd think maybe all people from Compton are black. Maybe. I don't know. Um, But you know what? That's Asgard. And it to me, it shouldn't look like Compton because Compton isn't the only place black people or in, in not only black people live here. We there's all sorts of different people. And it just I was like, and it's Asgard. It, I don't think it should look like that. Do Are you saying that? if a black person moves into the neighborhood, it devalues its value or what are you saying? Like there's graffiti, there's sneakers. And that's on definitely the, electric- the critique that that particular page received is that why, if it's a black hero, he got to live in the hood. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's urban Asgard or something. I just don't and, get it. And Miles is an urban character. So I can totally see the thought process there. I can see that. Mm hmm. But it's 2022, uh, and this is a what if. Why not do some cool, amazing, Afro-futuristic like Wakanda. depiction? Yes. Like Wakanda, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in uh, the Hammer, Mjolnir, you can help me out with the... With Mjolnir. The, Mjolnir. Mjolnir, yeah. Um, is all ta- uh, tagged up. I mean... We know Miles is a graffiti artist, but I don't think he would have tagged up Mjolnir like that. You know, it just it seems like ridiculous at a at a point. It seems ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. understand what they're saying. And I understand if I was if I was taken aback. And I'm not even from the African-American community. I mean, I can't even imagine what they're feeling or how they're upset or you know like just- you don't gotta imagine you just gotta read twitter because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they they have posted their their thoughts and they're very well framed ones too but even yeah. then even if they weren't well framed i think this is something to be justifiably angry over mm-hmm. because it's it's like <laughs> like if someone just like threw like or someone would have taken like miles and put him like hey he's like he's puerto rican but we're going to put him in a Mexican setting. Like, right. Yes. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's widely inappropriate, but also we also have to consider the fact that uh, Mexico lane and Kristen brought this up too. Mexico has had not the best 
uh, history with its uh, like uh, black and Latino, uh, mm-hmm. uh, their Afro Latino people, but also that a lot of old comic book history, and you can find some of this stuff too, like as ads for like old Superman books had in the back advertisements that now are just 100%, we would have been like, what the fuck? Like depictions of like very minstrel like shows, the very that um uh, the very racist image of uh someone with blackface and like large red painted lips uh advertising something like usually like a candy or something and it's like like and this was in the comic book so there is a history of racism there so there is also like the artist i think has some biases that they put in there without and like there was like i think what is also like really affecting me is like what they pointed out is that this went through multiple people this went through editing this went through like um uh, like probably like readers or like pre like readers and stuff like that this went through like like art pages and everything this was greenlit and it, the question is how many of those eyes belong to members of the black community probably none and that yeah. is yeah like I could, or if it had one, or if there was someone who said something, they were no doubt shut down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I hope, like, in all honesty, I don't um, feel good about the fact that this is happening to someone that we've praised in the uh, in the past for his mm-hmm. writings. Um, he's a very talented writer. He's a very nice guy. He he signed at Heidi Ho um, before mm-hmm. and has been nothing but uh, pleasant uh, to work with. And I I'm not at all uh, happy or you know like getting joy out of the fact that this is happening. Like mm-hmm. I I know that this is like probably something that is. Um, weighing on him very heavily uh because i know it would me for sure but what Mm. i do hope is that as a latino he takes this as a learning experience and is humble about it and responds in a way that takes responsibility and then moves forward in a place of education uh Mm. and change so absolutely yeah and does better like and does better right does better yeah. like because like we have we interviewed him? no I we don't haven't think so, no, no. We have not. okay um uh, but like but, yeah like this is someone that we've like we said we've known and we've reviewed their books and it's not someone who i would peg as you know racist but this just goes to say show that racism is multifaceted and it exactly is, and it is um, um oh what's the word that i'm looking for it's it's social it's a social especially in this because this was greenlit mm-hmm. by a lot of people without them ever thinking like hey maybe this isn't appropriate mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah and and i'm actually kind of uh Happy is the wrong word, <laughs> but I'm kind of glad that we're having this discussion during an uh, sec- uh, during an episode where the book that we're reviewing specifically we chose because it's Juneteenth and we wanted to kind of mm-hmm. honor that um, because the things that we read in that book 
um, definitely are coming. I can see parallels and coming into play in what has happened Mm -hmm. um, with Yehudi's depiction of Miles. And so, um, and that's only goes to show that on this anniversary um, that we still have a long way to go. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, in another in another kind of internet conversation, like a a lot of people from the Latinx community, Latinx creators, um, um, there's a lot of Latinx and comics uh, groups out there that are excited about Batman Azteca. It's an HBO Max animated movie that is getting made, and as Batman in Mexico, and um, the animators that are working on this. Um, they have a like a Mesoamerican consultant is what Kristen was telling me. And also um, um, what what was it? Uh, well, they had Mexico, Mexican creators and uh, cartoonists and animators are working on this series that is going to be re- released on HBO Max. Um, but I, I it's called Batman Azteca Choque de Imperios. And um, so what I came across on inter- on the internet was, and also I'd like to say that Gerardo Lopez shared this information with us too, wanted us to kind of discuss this. Um, I, for one, am excited about this because again, I feel seen. Uh, who knows what the turnaround project will be and what the finishing um, product will be, but I hope it's, I hope for the best. Um, Although I also follow another podcast called El Tribunal de los Supergüeyes, and they're based in Mexico, and they were really not happy with this. They're like, just leave Batman alone, leave Batman out of Mexico. Um, it's from the same makers of that awful Chavo del Ocho animated movie, and I'm not happy about this. So it goes to show you that even though we as Mexicans here mm-hmm. in the United States are really happy to be seen and have somebody work on it, somebody Mexicano that has lived the culture and a Miss American consultant. They're just salty that part of the team is some people that created El Chavo del Ocho animated movie that they weren't happy with. And um, and them as being from Mexico, like exposed to like Las Pirámides. I mean, I, you could live like two hours away from a freaking pyramid in Mexico. Like it's crazy. Right. And, you know, like the bombardment of of constant like mes- like Azteca Arte, even their t- television uh, uh, channels called TV Azteca, like they're co- constantly <laughs> Azteca everything, right? So maybe they're just like a little bit worn out about it. And to bring Batman as a character into it, they're not really feeling it. Uh, most of the actually all of the text and all of the posts and responses to their posts were salty or negative. Only mine was positive, but I made <laughs> sure to tell them. You know, I live in California. This this is something I'm really happy about. Um, and I, I guess I understand where you guys are coming from. But see, this is what I'm saying. Like, I guess you can appease the whole entirety of your audience. But at the same time, I feel like so it may help some people out there be seen. And so I think we just have to be careful. And like with Yehudi's case, I think like this will be like self-reflection and stuff like that. And um, even even um, all the other creators that worked on this comic book, like the editors, the 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 letterer, the the artist, the you know the colorist. I mean, there there's just gonna have to be some self reflection there for sure. And 
the internet yet strikes again. Kristen was telling us about Miss <laughs> Marvel. Uh, yes. Oh, so, man. There was an article that came out today that said that Ms. Marvel released uh, to the lowest number that Disney has seen a streaming TV show being released to, meaning that um, less people watched Miss Marvel than any other uh, streaming TV show that Disney Plus has released uh, under the MCU umbrella. And so that has brought out all the racists uh, on Facebook talking about how that's what Disney gets for trying to force their wokeness onto us. Um, You know, that uh, that's, you know, nobody wants to see um, the, this superhero that they just made because um, they were trying to uh, be social justice warriors. And, um, and one dude uh, actually said that he just couldn't get into watching um a um what did he say chubby chubby did he say chubby chunky Chunky. he couldn't get into watching a chunky superhero i was like oh my god what is he watching this is a child that (laughs) that has a cherub like face and uh and i thought she was 19 she's 19 now but apparently jen shared with us that she was younger when um she was cast and when she actually was filming with covid and all that stuff it took a while for all this stuff to come to fruition but the people are just taking that one article and running with it with some of the most silly things that i have ever seen or heard but when you really look into it it's all about uh being racist oh a hundred percent and so um yes it was a very active week (laughs) on the internet with comic related um issues uh of race and ethnicity uh being brought to the forefront so uh, i i mean i said this last week and i'll say it again i watched episode two this week and i'm still loving it i'm 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 really really excited to see where it goes and also what possibilities it brings i mean i don't know how people are going to feel about me after this uh but uh when i first watched the first episode um i kept kind of like hoping to like can't wait to see episode two and then forgot about obi-wan so uh, I don't know how that makes me feel, but um, that's how good it is to me. I really am enjoying it. I really want to see how everything unfolds. Um, I think it's a great show. I I, I like the fact that they don't, um, you know, when they say certain words that, you know, are not part of my language at all, because I, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, Paki- Pakistani Muslim, I Pakistani. <laughs> Um, then I don't understand, but I get it in the context of their actions and yeah. who they're talking to and stuff like that. And I like that. I really enjoy that. It's a really good show to me. And it's sad. Um, and, you know, um, maybe people just are slow to warm to it, or there are some people that may not relate to it whatsoever. But I think the pre- like the big overall issue of family, I think that's something people can relate to. So yeah. hopefully... Um, and teenage angst. I, I hope that they can relate to that, too. But um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm sorry if you uh, aren't woke enough or aren't um, open enough to actually open yourself up to something that is not just like 
white or sorry you know, you're a hater or yeah i mean i didn't <laughs> want to say that but yeah so um it's okay i'll say it for you <laughs> yes please do uh so yeah that's that's how i feel about that so i mean there's a lot of a lot of racial stuff going on in the internets right now and hopefully we could all learn from it and hopefully um other people that may not be swayed may contemplate maybe another belief system another thought process another just you know there's a room enough on this earth for all of us and i don't think that you should like i think if you're spending too much time on the internet just saying all these awful things like i don't know man do you think that's gonna come back and like i don't know i just feel you shouldn't be putting that type of energy out there in the world but that's just me <laughs> in the words of gamers go outside and touch some grass <laughs> <laughs> oh that was great <laughs> all right guys now it's time for on my radar Kristen, oh. what is on your radar okay so i have this amazing comic i went to qcon this weekend um which was queer con a um inaugural comic convention um in west hollywood and for those of you who don't live in the Los Angeles area, you might not know that West Hollywood is the mecca of LGBTQ IA plus community. Um, and so when you go to West Hollywood, there are rainbows and amazingness all over the place. And uh, Prism Comics, which is a um, publishing distributor company of uh, specifically LGBTQ plus comics uh put this together and had a bunch of creators there it was very well attended it was such a great uh event and i discovered a book called haunted hill so i'm showing the book uh right now to the girls on on zoom and by just looking at the cover they have to know that i needed to buy this book Oh, um, for the sure. book has a <laughs> a donut and somebody who has inserted three of their fingers into the donut. <laughs> um, and I met the creator there and asked him, um, what's your book about? And he gave me a such a long, detailed description of this whole first issue um that by the time he was done i was like you know what um you had me at a uh, gay prison themed sex club so <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so this book actually is written by uh, Richard Fairgray. And the cool thing about it, and the reason that I'm sharing it with all of you listeners today, is that this is a webcomic. He just printed the first issue in print form as a trial run to see if people enjoyed this um, this way of reading his book, and if he wanted to continue printing the rest of the episode, uh, issues in print form. So this is this is trial run, but you for freebies can go onto his website uh, and read the whole rest of the book. Um, and it's funny; it says uh, based on things that should be true events. So <laughs> um, this book follows the main character Ava, who has recently moved back 
She's from Los Angeles originally, and she's just recently moved back with her wife because her wife got a really amazing job uh, in the museum uh, art industry, and they couldn't pass it up, and they moved back from New York City. Um, so Ava, though, is not having as easy a time as uh, finding a job, so she takes basically the first thing that comes her way, which is... Uh, being a daytime janitor at a gay sex club where oh. it's basically themed. It's like a prison theme and it's a maze inside and people uh, basically just wander around the maze and randomly have sex. So man, she's the daytime janitor. So she cleans up all the mess because <laughs> <the> <laughs> um, she can't do it at night because it's a strictly um, penis only. Uh, it's it. Oh, <laughs> okay. Said. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, uh, it is, um, her story. We are introduced to her, um, after she has had a job interview, um, cause she's trying to get out of being a janitor. She's trying to get, uh, back into her regular line of work and her Uber cancels on her and through some, uh, interactions and situations, she ends up um, sharing a ride with, I believe her name was Sasha, um, and two of her friends, um, who, yes, her name is Sasha, who take her on the beginning of a really interesting adventure. I think Richard told me that it takes up until like issue 13 before she even makes it home for the evening. (laughs) So I just kind of, saw it as uh, a long extended version 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 of the hangover (laughs) (laughs) but uh one of the interesting things that um i did want to share about this uh is it's written and drawn by richard and richard is legally blind oh my Um, god and look at his art it's like really stylized really cool and he had some a sketchbook there uh with him as well some of the books have some like very um wow uh, interesting color choices uh it's mostly black and white but some of the pages have some color hues in the background and um i when he was telling me that he was um blind Uh, I said, well, you sure are a good artist for being blind. And he showed me that he literally has to hold the paper or bring his face down to the desk, like an inch away from what he's drawing. Oh my God. Here's some, some other ones. Wow. I read this whole first issue uh, there yesterday as I was just uh, hanging out and it was fast paced. It was kind of like reading a sitcom. Uh, and knowing that it continues on for so many issues that he's already written and that he's he actually uh, puts out, I think, two issues a week, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So it's still ongoing. It's still continuing. You can read it for free at richardfairgray.com. That's Richard, R-I-C-H-A-R-D, Fairgray, F-A-I-R-G-R-A-Y.com. And he has a whole bunch of his other uh, comics that are up there for you to read for free but haunted hill uh is my on my radar this week and i cannot recommend it enough well it looks amazing and the art is super amazing and to to 
And the fact that he's actually writing and and uh, drawing his own book and he's legally blind. My God, that's amazing. And yeah. the content is content is out there to read for free. So I'm so excited about going online and reading that for myself because just the cover was just magnificent. <laughs> and I um I tried to reread issue number one on my phone today, but I think um it would kind of be better to read like on an iPad or your on your PC. Um just because reading it on my phone, I had to keep like making it bigger and then only see <laughs> panel by it, panel. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. But I I honestly I even told him that day um yesterday that I read it and I loved it and I couldn't read it. And then it was funny and and so this is the type of person that he is and the humor that comes across in his in his book. He was in the middle of a conversation and he says, oh, oh, uh, let me get your opinion on something. And I'm like, OK, he's like, OK, so my grinder. Uh, <laughs> <he's> <laughs> like, I'm already invested. <laughs> yeah. He's like, should my name be uh, Hi- Heidi, Heidi Ho, like H-E-I-D-I-H-O or some other variation of Heidi Ho. And I was like, is he telling me this? Cause he knows, did I tell him that I work at Heidi Ho or was it just random that he said that? I don't know, but it was just like, and he's like, I know we just met, but I think you're pretty. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. That's, that's great. I love that. <laughs> that is super cool. All right, guys. It's that time, that time oh. I've been waiting for. Hey. What time is it? Es la, la hora de, de la, la cervecita. I even forgot about it. That was been sitting here for a while. I forgot I was going to drink it. So oh. today we are drinking a beer from Brewery X, which is located in Anaheim. And it is a signature series volume two. And this this art on the can reminds me of a Beatles album. What album was it? It was Which one were they Massacre the Mystery drugs? Tour. Was it? Or I don't was know. it the Yellow Submarine? I don't know, but it's like very magical and yes. mystical. And uh, it's really cool. And this is a double hazy IPA with an ABV of 8.3%. And let's see, it says, oh, and I love when breweries put the artist's information on the can. The art on the can is um, by artist Michael Page, and you can find more about him at michaelpageart.com or um, on his Instagram, which is michaelpageart, and that's P-A-G-E, page. Um, And... Let's see. Is there any other information on here? Nope. I don't see anything so on here. It's one of those art. And this is basically why I, I got it. That and uh-huh. because I, I've tried other stuff from Brewery X. I haven't been to the tap room, but I've, I have tried stuff. But it's like super detailed. There's like a monster and the monster within the face has like yeah. 20 faces. And I mean, it's kind of like layered art, but all detailed. It's really cool. There's even like a bendy straw in the art. Like, what the hell? It looks <laughs> like an acid trip. It looks yep, like an exactly acid trip. Does, which yes. is why I was like, this reminds me of a Beatles album, but like old Beatles with the beards and the long hair. Yes, exactly. 
I'm so, taking LSD. Uh, <laughs> oh, it smells good. I spilled some on my hand. So the and t- I put it up to my nose and it smells very fruity. So the team at Bro- uh, Brewery X is um is they all hail from different backgrounds and they have come together through the love of beer. So I love it already. Also, so this is Brewery X, not to be confused with Border X Brewing. Right. I, <laughs> I always die. Yeah, all the time, which is why I'm making mm. it a point to say don't do it. Um, but yes, uh, so yeah, uh, we are tasting this beer. And like I said before, I got this one at um, BevMo. And the can art was something that was really something that popped out to me. But also the fact that this is a signature series. So this is one of those rotating ones. It's not seasonal and it's not temporary. It's rotating. So I'm pretty sure if you go down to Mm. the tap room, you'll be able to have this on tap. Yeah, I've been there twice. Um, I was addicted to their seltzers, their hard seltzers uh, last year during the pandemic. Um, and, uh, 2020 or 2021, 2020, late 2020, I think. Um, and because I don't, I couldn't even go in. I, uh, during that time I had to just go outside and they brought it to me. So I put in my order, I paid for it and they went inside and brought it to me. So I think that was 2020. (laughs) Yeah. it It sounds like 2020. But they had um, some really good hard seltzers. And um, today, actually, from Trader Joe's, uh, Eddie bought a blueberry mojito from Brewery X. It was a hard seltzer. And it was really good. Very, that and it sounds was, really good. It was like 9% or something, and um, or even 10%. And it was very strong, but very blueberry. It was really good. It was tasty. I just want to take this moment to apologize to all the white women that I made fun of for drinking hard seltzers. They're actually really good. Oh you, my God. Y'all were right. Y'all were right. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I love that though. I love that you can go back and say, you know what? I was wrong. <laughs> so I'm trying to find more um, information about what kind of hops they used and stuff like that, but I'm not finding very many uh very much information on this and it's definitely not on the can because it has all these swirly stuff and images of like an acid trip um but what do you guys it's just a double ipa but it doesn't tell me what kind of hops or anything they were using but um so far i'm loving it um i don't know but i could actually maybe make out some tastes some Mm -hmm. some flavors it's very it was, it smelled very fruity, but the flavor profile has something other than fruit in there that I can't quite pinpoint. It seems like this might have like pineapple and citrus possibly, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not sure if maybe the citrus comes out in the hops that they used, but it has like a, although it's a double IPA, it's not like, it doesn't knock you it doesn't hit you across the face or slap you across the face. I think there's like the fruity aspect of it, which is not too sweet. It's fruity, but not sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, Really kind of delivers like a multi-level taste profile. It took me a really long time to get over the fact that 
when you're describing beer and even wine, to be honest, that when you talk about things being fruity, that that doesn't mean sweet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like like yeah. I was for the longest time, my brain could not wrap itself around <laughs> that. Yeah. And my, most people are like, oh, it's fruity. So, it, you know, a girl can have it like it's fruity. Like, you know, that that's always kind I of mean the, shit. Yeah. That, <laughs> oh, that they always say that. And it's like, no, it could be fruity and not be, you know, just geared towards women. And even then, even if it like was like, I'm sorry, you like gargling. Um, uh, What is it? Uh, cigarette ashes uh, <laughs> in your mouth and chewing uh, like tobacco. IDK. Yeah, tobacco or like fucking bark or something. Like, excuse yes. me. Oh God, I have. So taste. I know multiple men. I'm just gonna go right out and say it that will be like, "Oh, this is the best IPA," and they're drinking it, and I take a taste, and I'm like, "What the hell am I drinking?" And it's so overpowered with that hoppiness at the end that just overtakes everything and doesn't even have any like actual personality to it it's just hops and i'm like no dude you think you know about beer but you don't all you know is that ipas are high in abv and they give you a bang for your buck and that ipas are supposed to quote unquote be hoppy but that doesn't mean they have to taste like shit like (laughs) right right yeah get over yourself not only that we've had now many ipas that have still that like high abv content still use hops but are flavorful yeah tasty and nuanced in like everything so one love yourself love your taste buds (laughs) it's okay it's okay if you can distinguish something else besides hops it doesn't mean you're a girl. It doesn't mean you're less manly. It love yourself. But all the way, also that mysterious taste, I'm pretty sure it's a spice or something. Yeah, okay. it tastes kind of spicy. Yeah, so it's a, it's a spice. I It might be, we've drank in a lot of beers with coriander in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say that it is, but it could be either the coriander, cumin, or like somewhere along that family tree of herbs and spices. Um, uh, so. Also, I'm eating uh, falafel and hummus right now. Ooh, yeah. Yummy. Uh, and I'm drinking this at the same time. Amazing. 10 out of 10 recommend drink nice. beer when you eat food. It's good. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, I'm like, I'm like super impressed with the flavor profile in this. Um I know how you guys were talking about like how men like have something that's like so bland and so generic and they call it the best ever. Um, when I was at, uh, I think it was state 48 uh, uh, in Alaska and it was one of like the biggest breweries there and they had like award winning stuff. And so I'm like, bring me your award winning stuff, your a flight of award winning stuff. Most of those were like heavily pine uh, oh. flavor. That's the worst trend ever. And in- no, no, that's not the worst. The worst one was smoke, the yeah. smoke trend. Uh, it tasted like a fucking log fire. <laughs> okay, so I found some information about this particular beer. Uh, it actually was made with Citra, Strata, and Nelson hops. I knew it. And, <laughs> and, uh, 
Let's see. Oh, you know what? I'm telling you lies. This was the original signature series, not volume two. Oh, okay. Because there's a difference. This is volume two that we are drinking. So let me go to that. Here we go. So, uh, but I'm pretty sure it does have the citra hops because I definitely have that citrus forward taste when I Uh have it. So Uh that I knew that that was the thing. And sometimes they use the same hops or like the same like style or part of it. But I I agree. There's definitely something citrusy in here. So this is a New England IPA. Mm. Um, So I don't actually know what that means. Um, But I know there's like New England, West Coast, uh, and it is hazy. So but uh, the beer advocate does it's fairly new, I think. So um, it was out just a few months ago. So there aren't very there aren't any ratings for it on Beer Advocate. Mm. so we will oh there is uh, not even on the website there isn't any information i didn't uh, i didn't didn't it's a mystery regardless i think we should go ahead and just rate it because yeah sure yeah okay so um out of our five point scale um where six is super saiyan um Six out of five is Super Saiyan. I am going to give it a four. Um, I do like it, but that extra little uh, spicy taste for me is a little too much. Um, I'm not one to actually like those spices very much. Like cinnamon is as much as spice as some of those other spices like get to be over too overpowering for me like okay don't get me wrong i i like a good curry but like it sometimes it could just be really too overpowering so um i'm gonna give it a four out of five i'm so sorry i just burped (laughs) (laughs) and there i go again um i am going to give it a four out of five as well this is sarah and uh the reason is it's like i think it's a solid like rotating series i think this one um it doesn't let you down it's a really good uh beer taster tasting and basically like let's say you have friends over you could definitely bring this along and it would be like like definitely satisfying it's not like it doesn't have any like super powerful wow factors but it's definitely like a at a comfort level something that i could just like break out you know uh, like at a family picnic or whatever and it's just perfect it's perfect and i think the abv was uh 8.3 so i think it's like a nice mellow beer something you could have during this the the summer like well there are people listening to you and laughing that you are saying that 8.3 is mellow (laughs) (laughs) because it is that girl drinks beer I'm like, it's a good summer, like the swinging on the swing, put your feet in the in the river kind of beer. You know, I think it's oh, perfect. No. At 8.3, I am falling off the swing and floating down the river. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is definitely this is definitely something that I would take to that place uh, where uh, I just there's a bed and a seal and a, and a roof and that's it. And then oh, the uh-huh. river, I would definitely okay. take this one because it, it it doesn't make you hot with 
you know, like all the other kind of ingredients. It's very kind of summery. It's very welcoming. I love it. I think four is a good solid number. I think it's great. How about you, Jen? I'm going to give it a four as well. Mostly, I like, it's not like super well, but it is good. It's tasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like what it's, um, uh, it's a hazy, right? Yeah. See yes. that 8.3 is already hitting me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually really enjoying eating it with food right now. And so, that's cool too. Mm-hmm. So this is, is a good food beer. Like, yes. like I think it is, I think you're right. It is a good like beer for the summer, but I think it's also really good to you. Like if you don't really want to be like hit in the face with that 8.3, it's good to eat with food. Yeah, I get that because like most of like the double IPA, I always get like like a gut, like kind of like a solid gut where I'm just like, okay, that was just too heavy on my stomach. But this one is kind of light. I, I'm I'm not feeling it in the gut area. I'm basically just enjoying the the flavor and enjoying the eight the point three AVV. So, um, yeah, so that has been our beer review. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review what are we reviewing today today we are reviewing wake the hidden history of women-led slave revolts um we mentioned earlier that we have a book that we specifically chose and and picked um to honor uh june 15th june 15th juneteenth june 19th (laughs) uh and um this is a book by rebecca hall and illustrated by Hugo Martinez. And so after I read it, I noticed that I was like, oh, we, I'm assuming he's Latinx. He's, he's from Me- Mexican. New Orleans. Mexican. Yeah. He's from New Orleans um, and he, he looks Latinx. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to assume, but yes, he's Mexican. Good. I didn't uh, see that. But um, this book basically was, it's written in a very interesting uh, style Rebecca herself is a historian, and she wanted to uh, research the uh, the incidents of women starting and carrying out revolts during slavery, whether on um, middle passage ships or once they uh, arrived to um America or whatever, wherever they were at, or even in the countries before they were taken. And she found it super interesting that there was not a lot of information around that. And as a woman herself, and just uh, in some uh, of the things that she had already researched, she basically was like, when you read between the lines, um, you see situations and occurrences that happen that um, leave little doubt that women were involved. But one of the things that uh, I definitely uh, read in here was that even when it came, like these people were literally dealing in human lives. And even around that, that couldn't be as as they had to, as they could be, they had to add sexism and, and misogyny into it too. And basically 
took away all of women's agency when they wrote down their logs. So one of the things that she did was slave ships had to be super, super detailed. I learned so much, yes. honestly, oh, in this book. hundred percent. I learned so much in this. Uh, I learned that slave ships were fucking um, insured by banks mm-hmm. in, in England. And um, that was to ensure basically the rich people's investment in going and pillaging these African countries and bringing back people for cheap labor. Um, so if a, if a person died on their way um, on the, in the middle passage, if they died, um, that life was insured. And the person who paid already to get that slave um, to be part of their plantation um, basically lost, quote unquote, their investment. So they got insurance to get money back for that. And one of the other things that I was just like, oh my God, like, I can't believe that that is happening in this day and age. She goes to some of some of those freaking banks that insured people, insured people, insured those ships are still in business to this day. Yeah. And she when she realized that she goes there and she asks to go through their historical documents and they are very helpful to her until she find they find out what she wants to research and they completely shut her down. Um, And she comes across that issue multiple times in the story where she's trying to research um, certain companies and entities. experiences and um their uh own like what they contributed to slavery Mm -hmm. and they basically want to sweep it under the rug like it never happened right um and so i found that super frustrating first of all but also super interesting because those are all things that i just didn't even know that those those entities made so much money off and And I mean, we all know how long that the slave trade lasted. They made so much money off of that kind of business dealings that they're still in existence to this day, all of these hundreds of years later. Yeah. And it's really sad to like when you travel and you see these buildings that were erected by slaves, like they are the backbone of America. They are what Mm -hmm. made America what people call America's great, Mm -hmm. like Um, It was all basically freaking slave labor like these people were. Oh, my God. It just it's so humbling to read such a book. And like how she was saying that she felt haunted, like she's an attorney and then still she like felt kind of haunted by her like past. And then she went back to get another degree in history and then her was it her dissertation was based on finding women that revolted during slavery and the accounts are like ridiculous because they don't even like really take the testimony or it's like they and i say they i say the people that were in charge back then and apprehended um these um supposed people that committed crimes and she came to find that women who were slaves and were part of a revolt, their testimony wasn't even important enough enough to document. Mm -hmm. 
And that was, oh my God, that just made me so freaking mad. Um, that, yeah, that's why I'm saying like, you, they, there's so much that ha- happened back then, but it was during a time where women had no agency. They had no voice. And in all, in, over here in the Americas and England, they were basically second-class citizens. So then for these people to look at slaves and see those women uh, that from the African countries, they're even less of worth to them right. uh, with what they have to say or what they have to think. And I just, what I know of women, what I know of moms, of mothers, like it makes perfect sense that these women rose up and fought for their men who were, because what we learn in this book um, is that women on slave ships, because they were thought so little of, were not even shackled. Um, they were not kept underneath with the men. They were brought because the men were kept underneath and in chains the entire time because the, the slave runners uh, feared that they would revolt. And they didn't have any thought that women would do the same because to them, women were useless. Their own women were useless. So, of course, uh, slave women had to be even more so. Um, And so they would just leave them. And I mean, also to their benefit as well, because um, they raped them um, multiple times and um, they needed easy access to them. And there were actually... uh, Rebecca shares that there was an account where there was a revolt that happened and they, the, the people who were keeping the captain's logs were completely baffled as to how that happened. Like they couldn't even bring themselves to the conclusion that these women who were unshackled and just roaming around the ship could have any part in it because they were just women. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it goes to show, I mean, for history and stuff like that, like, it's either like, uh, like it was an intent, it was either like a women don't matter kind of thing, or it was an intentional act to keep the role of women to the barest minimum or n- non-existence, basically. Right. Uh, there's, right. It reminds me of something that I, I've read somewhere, where it basically said that Everything that we know about history was probably a lot worse. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah. Um, uh, than we could ever imagine, simply because there were some records that we just don't have access to anymore because they were lost or they were mm-hmm. never written down. And a lot of those, uh, and it's the, also the reason why so history is so male dominated as well, yep. is because, well, the history, the, any of the history that was bothered to be written down was about men. So of course Uh they think it's all about men, but the truth of the matter is that we never got the stories of women in history. And it reminds me, it's really funny because um, uh, right now for class, I'm like, I'm taking a Chicano studies class. um, uh, And we were talking about Malinche uh, and how, Oh my God. Yes. There is nothing ever like, there is nothing that Malinche ever wrote about herself. The only reason we know Malinche exists is because she was alluded to by all the Spanish soldiers and by mm-hmm. Cortez himself, mm-hmm. that, that Malinche existed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
Well, didn't she bear one of Cortez's sons? Well, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but like anything about the woman, everything is hearsay. Yes. Like we don't, she left no, no journals, no, no sayings, no, like everything that we know about Malinche is through hearsay. And she's been taken as this, uh, traitor. Like, as this traitor. Yeah. But, what do we really know about her? We don't know anything about her because nothing was ever written down. And that is the case for almost all historical women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially in this story. Yeah, especially yeah. in this story. Mm-hmm. And it, the the reason I started off with saying that uh, the approach that this book t- takes is really interesting. Number one, Rebecca is a character in this book. Yes. Um, it sounds like when you read the, the back matter or even part of the story that that wasn't uh, initially her intention, that she just wanted to tell these stories, but someone suggested to her that she be a character. And so we're actually also following all of the brick walls that she is coming up against trying to do this research and also the racism that she is experiencing. And she even shares part of her lawyer days where she would show up to the courtroom and they would immediately assume that she was there as for the defense. Um, And so I, and you could also see um, how she was treated when she came into uh, certain buildings and presented um, there with um, her questions and her wanting to go and do research and stuff in slavery, where she kept saying every time she got turned away, um, she knew it was because these people were trying to basically just deny that they had any involvement whatsoever. It was part of history that they didn't want to remember or didn't want people to basically uh identify them with. Um, and so that's one thing. The second thing is that because there are so um, little documents actually uh, written on what actually happened with the women, uh, there are a lot of inferences and conclusions that she makes um, with the little bit of information that she has. And so it's um, kind of like speculative fiction kind of rolled into this nonfiction story. Um, so I thought that was super creative and super interesting. And the, the stories that she shares and the stories that she um, actually creates with what could have happened made total sense to me. And it was just so fascinating um, and such a topic that I I'm just like in in awe that it took this long for somebody to be like, well, what the fuck about the women? Like they right. were there. They did shit. Yeah. So um, I I just really, really uh, thought that that was just such a creative, amazing way to present this this topic and this book. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and one of the revolts, I mean, it was like four women and one of them was pregnant. And some of the logs in in documentation show that that one of them did not did not get executed. but we don't know if it's Abigail or Sarah. So there's that question throughout like the story where she's trying to figure out which one was it. And, you know, the funny thing was during that revolt, and I'm not going to say funny, that's the improper word to use. But during this revolt where uh, there's four women involved and several men, I think 21 men um, 
that they that they caught they they hanged the men but they burned the women Mm-hmm. And the reason they burned the women is because long ago, Henry the third or the fourth, or I don't know which king from England did this, but he declared that a woman who would strike against her husband or a man uh, was striking against their monarch or the king mm-hmm. um, because they were, they were, they were, con- women were, con- women in general were considered after marriage property of their yep. husband. And mm-hmm. so uh, uh, striking against your husband was an act of treason mm-hmm. or a man, an uh, act of treason and an act of treason is punishable by burning. So even though the men were hanged, the women were burned. Mm-hmm. Damn. I was just going to say witches. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there is a reference to that in the book yeah. where, where they're like, if you're talking, if you're like wanting to find out about uh women being hanged go to salem and she said they uh, no women being burned go to salem she goes actually they were hanged and then they they, she got hung up on (laughs) but um yeah i mean and there is another story that she uncovers about a woman a woman who led a revolt with a um indian uh an indian uh, and other other people, but she was the leader, and they went ahead and they killed uh, the master, uh, the mistress, and the five children, and she was pregnant, and um, they still couldn't freaking believe that she led the revolt, mm-hmm. and so we still don't really know much about that, but they caught other people that were involved in that, and um, but yeah, it was just... I mean, okay, so we're talking about the stories that she uncovers and that, you know, um, we're reading about and we're talking about. And then the the thing a bit I want to bring uh, I want to bring also to light is that it's called Wake, the Hidden History of Women Led Slave Revolts. And when I said when I read that Wake, it was like I thought like Wake Up, you know. Mm. But honestly, when you read the book, it actually means an actual wake from a death. Like when you you go to a wake from somebody who died. That's what I got from it. Yeah, that's not what I got. And she actually mentions this in the book. When there's a wake in the ocean, oh, something is going through the water and it creates a wake. And that wake has a ripple effect throughout the ocean. Like for like if you're like swimming and the boat ah. goes by you, it creates this wake. And it affects you and it, it goes past you and it affects down the line. And she actually talks about how this country is still living in that wake of slavery, that it was so long ago, but it is still affects everything that black people do and say and are in this country. And it's mm-hmm. the wake of slavery that is basically the stain on America. And, you know, that's so freaking great that you told me that because I was... I was um, associating Wake with that um, woman that died. I, I'm, I'm trying to find her name. Ekuya. Ekuya. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what I associated the Wake meaning of the book. But um, yeah, no, I, I mean. I, no, was- I love these interpretations, though, because when I heard about the book and I saw Wake, I thought like, like it was Woke. But instead in the present uh tense and I like kind of like, yeah, like saying you to like be aware, be like awake. uh Yeah. 
I um, mean, all of those are so valid and yeah, I, perfectly. <laughs> yeah. And I think they're like, yeah, they're like, um, um, they're all, they're, yeah, they're all meanings that can be alluded to in mm-hmm. this book, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to talk a little bit of the art. Um, again, it's like from a Mexican, Hugo, Hugo Martinez. And um, I like the fact that there's a lot of, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of like the other, oh God, it's the, um, the upside down place. Sort of like, I feel like throughout the book, there's a lot of like... Um, surreal uh like magical realism because the artwork um she she, like it'll be like she's on top and it's all like modern life but then the reflection in the water Mm -hmm. as she's walking down the street reflects like old timey times (laughs) like i'm gonna call it old timey time but um yeah and it, it it is a thing that happens throughout the book where there's like a parallel in the art between the present and the past. And I think that is really amazing. Very surrealist. Yes, definitely. And there's a lot of parts that have like a upside down feeling, which you kind of get when you're like trying to like discover this other world that is underneath you. And I think that is portrayed in this book when she's researching all these stories and trying to find answers and, you know, going through her whole, um, and, and I want to also say that she was like in Santa Barbara or Santa Clarita, California, living there and teaching there. And she was going to New York on flights to like do all this research. Yeah. So, um, she was in a place where she was alone. She was only communicating with her family and her child, via phone call and so like there's a place that you go when you're alone and then you're trying to like resurface with all these answers so i think that was just another character within the book as well um but yeah no i i i really really love this book i love the artwork um it was just really amazing i really loved it uh another thing i don't know if you know but this book was a kickstarter project yeah Mm -hmm. and also uh one of the the things that like uh, they acknowledge in the um in the thank you page was that sarah miras uh uh, tweeted out the book on her twitter and uh they were on gray's anatomy as one of the surgeons and they are all so in currently in the uh, HBO Max series, and just like that, which was the spinoff from the AM Sex in the City uh, series. So they made they made quite an impact on the Kickstarter, which is why she thanked her on the acknowledgments page. But I I thought this was amazing, and it also this is Hugo's inaugural comic book, really. Yes, this is his first. So um, he can only, uh, I I feel like uh, there's a lot of amazing stuff more to come from him because he can only uh, go up. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we didn't really learn about how they became a team, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it matters because it looks like they really just their relationship it worked just so amazingly well and it just it's it's such a powerful tale of like rediscovering your phantoms 
sort of like that generational trauma we sometimes talk about. And oh, I, actually, yeah. that's a good point that you bring up that I wanted to mention is that one of the reasons that propelled her to write this book is that she is the granddaughter of a slave. Yes. Um, and she was very young um, when her grandmother died, but her father did a very good job at sharing all of the stories that his mother used to tell him about what she went through and um, what it, what it was like. So that to me was super interesting. It's so incredible how, like, what, what is it that people, there are two generations. It's just two yep. generations from slavery. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. nothing. Yep. That's nothing. It's, uh, we hear more outcry and like, yeah. Uh, and when I read that, I'm like, granddaughter, that's it. Yeah. Like even to me, like it was kind of very sobering to be like, damn, that was mm-hmm. not that long ago. Mm-hmm. It was not that long ago. Yeah. And it's, uh, one, I was just, uh, uh the artist did a really good job. I wasn't, I was going to say like, at least, uh, at least this Mexican artist knows how to draw black people. Right. Oh, my God. I mean, he got her dreads down so good and her braids. Oh, my God. I loved it. I loved it. And then the whole expression of like the slaves and the anger and the anguish and just it was just really uh, and it's black and white, guys. It's not even color. Yeah. You know, one of the things that was very um, moving to me. Um, was reading the book. Uh, oh shoot! Now I had it in my head, and I can see the. I can see it was uh, Amistad. Um, oh yeah. I read that book before I saw that movie, and reading that book and reading the the scenes of the slaves like literally jumping to their death on purpose to avoid being brought over like, and then seeing it in the movie. Oh my God. It was just like, it reminded me of that uh, when I read this and what I, in that movie uh, and the book, there's somebody who is communicating with uh, the slave that is being put on trial, but there's so many stories that we will never know um, because they had their own language and they were communicating against amongst each other, but no one else knew what they were saying. And so uh, like for all we know, it, the women were the, the regal parts of their village and their community. And they were the ones running everything, but the white man comes and takes them. And all of a sudden women are, you know, they're no good for anything, but raping and making them make them a sandwich. Man, that's fucking crazy. That's fucking nuts. Um, you know, I was in New Orleans just not too long ago and I was in the port of Jackson Square. And that was like one of the ports where they brought like so many slaves through there. People died on the ships. It's just like one of the like hubs of like slave trade, even mm-hmm. during the Spanish and the French uh occup uh, not occupation, but um New Orleans belonged to the to the Spanish. It was the French, the Spanish, and then the mm-hmm. French again, and then the Louisiana Purchase, whatever. But um, just being there, 
like people were taking pictures and I get it. It was a really beautiful point of view from like from there to Jackson Square and like the building and the and uh, the statue. But I was just taking it like, goddamn, so many people like came through here to die here mm-hmm. or just be slaves their entire lives. It was just so like you were saying like so sobering like and there are so many stories that we don't even get to know about because nobody cared that they needed to be told and that fucking sucks Mm -hmm. so much yeah there was a because today is june 19th and it's juneteenth i was watching tv and on the news there were multiple celebrations going on all throughout los angeles and they were showing them on tv and all you saw was nothing but the black community out um, actually uh, attending um, these booths that were black owned businesses and there were black owned restaurants and everything. And it was just a sea of black people on the TV. And all I could think of is the every single one of you have a history uh, the only reason you're here is because your ancestors were brought here against their will. Yeah. And like when you just really stop to think about it, that is just such a sobering thought. And like Rebecca says in this book, the wake of slavery um, is still among us. There's no doubt about the fact that racism still exists, that um, biases still exist. Um, I see it on TikTok every freaking day. There's a new uh, incident of white people chasing down black teenagers in their neighborhood. And it's just so beyond me that there are still people that deny that it happened and say things like slavery was a long time ago. Get over it. Like oh that God, like, wasn't that bad. Like, like Kanye West, uh, slavery was a choice. Like, really, dude? Really? Ugh. I mean, coming from a family that basically was like, like, I'll do any job just to like survive here, like whether it be janitorial work or like machine operator or whatever, like. I think we have to I think we have to learn our worth. I think we do. I think we have to examine ourselves and learn our worth because we're so we're so much more because we're people and we have feelings and we we have a history and you know what this is just the beginning just reading books like this and learning more about that that's good i like that so are we ready to review the book or yes. write the book <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a good note to to end yeah. it on and rate the book <laughs> yeah when sarah starts crying we have that, you gotta you gotta best. stop you gotta we stop gotta, yeah gotta we gotta stop. give her Damn a moment it. to compose herself yeah. Okay. So um I will admit that I was not able to get my hands on the book. I was able to get a preview of it um uh thanks to Amazon as much as I begrudge uh <laughs> them. So I had a gist of what the book was about, but just hearing you guys um, everything that you were talking about and even just able to piece together what the book was about like Tres Conchas fully, well-deserved, the entire panaderia. Um, um, And 
just goes to show never trust anybody when they say they know something because i think i did a good job bullshitting my way through that so <laughs> i mean bringing that malincha reference oh good that was great uh, i go to university <laughs> i know i know because <laughs> i mean with the malinche like it's always been a fucking question in history it's like she she's a traitor she you know mm, it still did tie in yeah and still tied uh, in. and and she had his child and whatever but you know what she was just a fucking woman who was super smart she learned the language she became his translator um you know she wasn't responsible for for all the people that were in the lower towns of the Essex Empire who were like sacrificed and put, uh, you know, put as slaves and, you know, like or, you know, it just um, putting it all on her just really is kind of careless. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're still I mean, it's a cop out it, all throughout history. Yeah. All throughout history, women have been scapegoated so yes. i mean we should not be surprised yeah yeah you're right you're right yeah. uh but so this is sarah and i'm giving it the whole panaderia i mean this book was um more than what i thought it would be like it actually like made me feel so much more than what i initially thought i put off reading it because i didn't want to feel so much at the time but when i finally did i couldn't put it down and i just feel like it had so much to say to me and for me to learn from. And I really loved it. So the whole panaderia for me. Yeah. And just as a reminder, um, our rating scale is uh, one to three conchas. Um, but if we really like a book, we will give it the whole panaderia. panaderia. <laughs> um, and which is what I am going to do. I'm also giving it the whole panaderia. I was engrossed with the storytelling, not just of what she was uncovering uh, with regards to uh, women-led slave revolt, but to what she herself had to deal with trying to uncover these stories and just being dealt with racist uh, things at every turn. And so, um, and I felt, I mean, there were multiple uh, panels where you see her in the archives, just pouring through book after book after book. And I can only imagine what that did to her soul and her spirit. And there are multiple panels where she's just crying, uh, Mm -hmm. because of what she's reading and, you know, what she's learning. And, um, I just want her to know that it was so worth it because I just learned so much and sharing the stories of these uh, unnamed women uh, who were given white people names or even just given numbers um, is still to this day uh, a worthy cause. And Mm -hmm. so I also give it the whole panaderia. Yeah. Like kudos to Rebecca. Like you did it. You got, you got the, you, you fulfilled your purpose in this book. You did it. You told their story. It's out there now. Yeah. And we're reading it. Yep. And learning from it. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? Well, as usual, I got gay shit for you. Uh, <laughs> Pride month. <laughs> Pride. You know how it is. Uh, so I have Murenga a queer African sci-fi graphic novel. It is Ooh. from Kugali, co-creator of Disney's upcoming series, Iwaju. 
Murenga is a queer African sci-fi bonzo, which is, I'm guessing, the word for graphic novel. Uh, so, uh, Kugali is based in London, uh, in the UK, and it showcases the best African stories by Africans using comics, art, and animation. Uh, they have a website, kugali.com, and this is on Kickstarter, uh, the, their information. And uh, this is about the the imprint, um, uh, I guess imprint, because it's, yeah. Um, let me read a little bit of the kind of campaign page that they have right here. Uh, so the story is that on a newly colonized planet known colloquially as Murenga, a long band neurotechnology is being developed and tested by the corporate government Terraku. Neurokunda was originally created to cure mankind of mental illness and social ails, but it could easily be used against any group considered outcasts and outsiders by their society. It is these outcasts that the that are the heroes of this story. So it is it is all based like in one world, which is Murenga, uh, and it follows different uh, characters. So it's an anthology, but it's all set in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a Discord that you can join. You can scan it right there. Uh, and the base, well, of course, you can always pledge without expecting a reward, just out of the kindness of your heart. If you're mm-hmm. into that, oh my God, imagine being kind. Couldn't be me. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sometimes I'm nice. Um, but the base pledge starts at three pounds, which is about four US dollars. Uh, it's called Chosen Family, and it's just um, uh, like either your name is going to be printed in their tribute to the ancestors, which is basically the thank you section of the book. At thirteen, at sorry, at thirteen dollars or ten pounds, uh, you get a digital copy of Murenga along with the previous uh, name on the thank you page. And then at £16 or $20, you get a digital copy of Murenga. You get a digital copy of Murenga's companion book, uh, as well as previous rewards. And then at £25 or $31, you get the physical softcover copy of Murenga and all the previous uh, rewards that were put on there. And then it keeps on. Uh, building up from there, there is, I believe there might be a retail option as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. But um, uh, unfortunately, the early bird uh, specials have gone because it is much later into their campaign. They have actually already hit their goal of $12,249. They are currently at $52,695. Oh my goodness. 1,369 backers and 50, uh, sorry, uh, about three days to go. Yeah. Um, so they're running out, <laughs> but the project was actually fully funded in 21 hours. So in less than a day. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. Try to highly, highly recommend it. The artwork looks fantastic. The concept is amazing. I love, love, love sci-fi. Uh, and, you know, support uh, queer creators and queer stories, but also uh, BIPOC stories as well. 
That's super awesome, dude. That's really awesome. All right. It's time for Putos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? Today, um, I also have gay shit for you. Uh, hey. For, for, um, I love how we call it gay shit. Uh, yeah. This this is um, an event that I learned all about at QueerCon, and it's called Clexicon. Uh, Clexicon is an annual fan convention focused on female members of the LGBTQ community. The convention is named after the ship, quote unquote, name for Clark and Lexa, who are characters on the CW series, The 100. The inaugural Clexicon was held at Bally's Hotel Casino uh, in 2017. So it's fairly new, um, but the next one is going to be August 26 through 28 in Anaheim. Um, they focus on queer culture, fandom, community, and it's a celebration for LGBT TQ plus women identified and gender diverse people. Um, there's going to be LGBTQ plus fans and creators from around the world. There's going to be panels, workshops, film screenings, parties, meet and greets, cosplay competitions, um, all kinds of cool stuff. You can go to Clexicon, that's C-L-E-X-A-C-O-N.com. And um, you, it's basically just an event celebrating LGBTQ plus representation in TV, film, comics, books, and across all media. That's super awesome. I love that. Sounds like shit. fun. Yeah, yeah definitely. All right, guys, it's now time for saludos. And saludos goes out today to Danny Baruela. And he is on Twitter at Danny at Danny Baruela. B-A-R-U-E-A-E-L-A. And saludos goes out to him because if anything, you have restored my faith in our podcast. Because as soon as we released the last episode of our podcast, episode 156, um, he contacted us via Twitter and told us that our audio was the wrong audio on the uh, I saw uh, the that streaming message. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Uh-oh. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much for letting me know uh, that because I hadn't, I had to click on it to hear it. So I didn't know, you know, I didn't know it was the wrong one. So thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Thank you so much for contacting us. Uh, we really appreciate your help. We really appreciate, we appreciate your, um, you listening to our podcast and being our podcast uh, friend and ally and I, we really appreciate it so saludos goes out to Danny Baruela thank you so much for being there for us thank you thank you for listening yeah I saw the <laughs> message and you're like uh Mackenzie was like I'm sorry I'm sorry and you're like I actually am happy to know that we have a listener <laughs> <laughs> That's a hundred percent true. Yes. <laughs> so thank you so much. You have you made my day that day. So thank you. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us? You can find us at commodicycomics.com, where you can find all the links to all of our social media. We are on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we are also on. What's it called? TikTok. 
<laughs> the tickety talk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, we are on TikTok. Uh, you could always, like she said, go on comics.com. You can contact us directly at comics at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on most streaming platforms. If you're actually listening to this, that means you found a streaming platform. So thank <laughs> you. And again, thank you guys for listening and interacting with us on social media. We really appreciate it. Uh, we would like some actual um ratings so if you get a chance please do that would really appreciate it don't forget we have a youtube channel we haven't had anything recent but uh, we it's still in the works so just listen to all the past wonderful interviews you will get inspired i promise you thank you so much for listening we have been your host i'm sarah i'm kristen and i'm jen bye guys bye, bye. And that's on period. Network.